I am sorry for only two things. These two things are, I am sorry that I have mistreated some few animals in my lifetime. I am sorry that I am unable to murder the whole damned human race. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Crimes, Killers, Cults, and Beer, and Beer. <laughs> Just two crazy Florida men drinking beer, talking about true crime. Yes, indeed. Because that's just what we are. And it wouldn't be the same thing if it was two, um, if it was two polite Canadians. <laughs> Just kidding. We love our Canadian podcast brothers and sisters. Yes, we do. Speaking of which, here's a trailer for our friends Buried Motives. Right on. Right out of the gate. Hey, listeners. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. Like, if you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear, like, off-the-wall crazy. Oh, 100%. She struck him on the back of his head with a frying pan, almost killing him, and was hospitalized for a severely fractured skull. She fractured his skull? She fractured skull. his skull. Wow. So the movie Tangled was right. Frying That's pans right. are dangerous. They are. He feels like he is totally justified in the murder that he commits. Even after he's convicted, he feels justified. Oh, yeah. To this day. That's a confident dirtbag right there. That's right. He believes that his victim had it coming. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us. And the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. And we're back. So uh, that's Todd. And that's Bill. And we're off to a great start. Yes. <laughs> I think we can pull it together, though. This has been minor. I hope so. So, uh, I'm just, uh, what are you drinking? I'm going to freak everybody out because old Powder Blue got the night off. I am drinking PBR. Oh, my God. P- PB? That's P- Powder Blue? PB? Yeah, I guess it could be. Why not? I mean, it's Paps Blue, but Powder Blue works. PB? Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap! He's drinking PBR. Yeah, I finally. I'm, yeah, I'm drinking beer after what? How many times of not drinking beer on a podcast that's called beer? I'm drinking Jack and Coke in a neon green sippy cup. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm drinking Bud Light. Yeah, we know. And so. I can see. And I can see you. So I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I, you know, just a, 
couple things I want to talk about before we get started here with part three, the conclusion of Pan's Ram. Yeah. For one, in case you're wondering why there are two episodes, part one and part two, that dropped last night, it's because I changed the title for part one, and when I did it, it republished the episode. So it looks like I I dropped two episodes when I did, but uh, but that's but that's why yeah that that's why it's there. And I even put a note in the in the description saying, yeah, this is the same episode that came out on the the I guess the twentieth or whatever date that it was that published part one. But still, it's not the it's not a new part. It's not it's the same episode. <laughs> same thing. Don't watch it again. Yeah, part two. There's not or listen no, to it, no, no issue with part two, <laughs> and and then part three is I I recorded or I released part two on the Thursday yesterday for us because we norm you know we normally do it on Friday, but we're recording this monster of an episode tonight, so I just wanted to make sure that it got out there. I didn't, <laughs> right. so I just went ahead and did it last night. But part three. If you're hearing it, you're hearing it on, you know, if you're hearing it when it comes out, it's on our normal night, Friday night. So. So, um, got a little update on one of our cases. Oh, one of the, cool. one of the, well, not one of our cases, but one of the cases that we've covered. Right. Right on. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. You remember her? Yeah. It's the one where um, her mother had a very serious case of Munchausen by proxy. Mm-hmm kept her basically imprisoned and everything, you know, just had all sorts of surgeries and stuff like that because, you know, unnecessary stuff had her, you know, they had a whole pharmacy's worth of um, medication in the house and all that stuff. And finally, she's like 23, 21, 22, something like that. And she basically, you know, her mom's still treating her like a teenager, telling her that she is still a teenager and still a minor. And so finally she's had enough and she, um, meets a guy online the guy c- comes and kills her mother and she's you know he was sentenced to life for the actual murder and she got like like 10 years and she's being let out a year and a half early so we are happy about that because she should have never done a day in pr- prison other than time served yeah because Dee <sighs> Blanchard would have killed Gypsy at some point <laughs> yeah no doubt i'm happy that she got out and she even met somebody on prison tender uh, good old prison tender yep so hit the round of applause for for gypsy gypsy rose <laughs> hell yeah Gypsy, gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome news. Yeah, it is. So, I wish she would have been paroled sooner, but um, you know, yep. better late than never, or better, you know, yeah, better than she's. And the tragic thing about that was she she said that she felt more free in prison than she did at home with her, um, with her mother. I think my favorite part of that whole story before you know up until now when she got paroled was the fact that her family took her ashes and flushed them down the toilet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's fitting very because that that was horrible what she did to that girl yes it was so without any further ado 
Uh, we're just going to dive into it because we got a long way to go. This is going to be the, probably the longest one out of the series. Yeah. Um, part one was like an hour and 45 minutes. Part two was two hours and 15 minutes. And it remains to be seen how long part three will be. But, you know, our regular listeners now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to, you know, it might be like two and a half hours when you edit it. But they, they, they know that we sat here for four hours bullshitting on each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, going, and going on big ass tangents. Well, we both have to be up super freaking early in the morning. So. Yeah, I know. So let's just get through it. You know, we probably should have done this tomorrow night instead. You want to do that? No, we're, we're here. No, we're here. Ain't going to hear my feelings then. We're here. We're here. We're doing it. And that'll give me time to, um, I don't know, maybe write a song tomorrow night or maybe go out and do some karaoke or something. Yeah. So, tomorrow. So. How about you do that tonight? <laughs> because I have to be up super freaking early tomorrow. So do I. Don't stop me. <laughs> you don't have to drive three and a half hours in, in a freaking you know, 50,000 pound torpedo. That's true. But I have to I have to stand on my feet for eight hours, cook food for ungrateful. Never mind. I won't go there. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. We left off. Basically saying that the that President Taft's gun got a lot of use because he went on his next crime spree and whatnot. Yep. I probably should have put a recap in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I I even listened to the episode today. I always listen to them after they're published just to make sure. Right. You know, and you know because there's been times when I've had to yank them back down because of something that got past me in the edits. But um, so that's why I do that. And I still don't remember where the hell we were. I'm like drawing a complete freaking blank. I remember it, the gun. I don't remember if that was the end or not, but I remember the gun. Yeah, it, it was. I, I ended it when I said um, the President Taft's gun got a lot of use. Oh, that's so, right. You left this on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And he had, <laughs> he had just those those two, he had just crashed. Um, no. Yeah, he had just crashed the boat that he had bought legally, and the two people that he had that he was trying to that he was planning on raping and murdering, and everything they had just gotten the hell out of Dodge because for whatever reason, and they're like, so that knowingly or unknowingly saved their life. <laughs> yep. So that's, they, they saw it coming, so they bounced. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, maybe. Maybe. So Carl, uh, so we're going to pick up from right there. Carl continued raping and robbing and killing. Hadn't killed very many people at this point, and the um and and the high that he got from robbing and brutalizing and raping wasn't doing it for him anymore. He now wanted to kill, kill, kill whenever possible. So I went in to the yes, recruiter and I said, well, "He said, why do you want to join the Marines?" And I said. Because I went to kill. I went to kill. <laughs> I went to kill. But I kill everybody. And I, from what I hear, you can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant. Yes, they say that. So. Uh, but so he also wanted another big score like he had with Taft. So he went back to New Haven and he robbed a couple mini mansions. And after that, he had his sights set on a large mansion where things didn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. The family was home and awake when he broke in. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> he, 
subdued the family, but one of the servants managed to sneak away and call the police. Uh oh. And the police responded quickly, and Carl was arrested, and he was charged with burglary and possession of an unlicensed firearm, although this wasn't test pistol. No. Probably a good thing that he didn't have Taft's pistol because <laughs> that, that, that would, it would have not ended well for him. It would have ended right then and there. Yes, that's what you know. That's what I meant. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't. Whatever. He avoided a lengthy sentence because he gave a, a yet another alias, and you know, as far as they were concerned, this was his first offense, and he got six months. And while in jail, there was lots of raping, but it was Carl doing the raping. And <laughs> lots of raping. You put rape twice. Raping. I like rape. I like rape. <laughs> but the guards looked away the same as they had when he was the victim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sucks. But Carl learned something, though, this time. Self-discipline. Okay. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> and and when <laughs> when he was when he came out he was a cold and calculating killer who thought things through. Okay. So Carl wanted to go back on the ocean, so he joined the flying squadron of the Siemens Union, and I didn't know boats could fly, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're seaplanes, man. Well, that's not a boat. That's a, that's a plane with floaties with butter wings on it. Not necessarily. The big ones, the bottoms look like boats. Canoes. Is that, what's making that? Is that my head? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> we hear something rattling? Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I actually, I see shit moving behind me, and I don't know what it is. It could be the banner blowing in the AC. Did you do an edible? I did not. Hmm. If I did, you wouldn't be seeing me right now. I'd be asleep. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah it's, but this was mostly local shipping lines. But Carl learned things. Yeah, they gave him a berth on a ship, and this time he was on the other side of the protest. Um, he was with the union members, and he, when he showed up on the scene, and he showed up on the scene when the blacklegs were out there roughing people up, and he was roughing them up. Yeah, I was going to say he probably uh, didn't take kindly to that. No. But if you don't remember from the second episode, part two, the blacklegs were people that the um, that were were hired to break up the um, the the protesters. But um, but this time he was, you know, because this time it was the union that was that was on strike, and they and the blacklegs were roughing up, um, you know, union workers and. And so it got to the point to where the blacklegs would scatter whenever they saw him. I bet. It was it was like the union had John Wick on their side. <laughs> the blacklegs bought uh they brought guns and so did Carl. And everyone ultimately was taken into custody and Carl along with the other union fighters they were bailed out by the union. Yeah. Oh, all right. Carl and all the others who may or may not have had warrants, um, you know, they, the the police were looking for them because, you know, they had just been bailed out and released and everything, but they, they really hadn't had a chance to process them yet. 
so they you know they they had their names right so if they had done any research on carl they would have figured out who he was or at least who his alias was or whatever so carl did did what carl does and he bounced (laughs) yeah that's what he does so he stowed away on a ship headed for portuguese angola on the west african coast where the u.s had no jurisdiction um he stayed hidden for a couple of days but when he was found he was taken to the captain the captain was angry at first, but but then he began to see the benefits of having this brute of a man on board. Yeah, right. And the fact that he had some, you know, experience at sea that that helped matters. <laughs> yeah, sinking boats is experience. I guess it would. <laughs> well, he 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 learned from the from the flying ship squadron or whatever. Okay. <laughs> I still don't know what one, that means, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> once again, Carl's work ethic emerges. He was doing the work of two two men with no pay other than safe passage and food. All right. That's a, that's an admirable trait. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he definitely had a, probably the best work ethic of any of these people that we've covered. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. It's like if I'm if I'm gonna work, I'm gonna do a good job. I'm gonna do a good job. I'm not gonna be no slacker. No. Be a psycho killer, but not a slacker. <laughs> so um the the captain like at this point the captain loves Carl and he's like, Come on, stay on me. We'll pay you good. You know, you're yeah, we'll pay you really good. I mean, I love having you on, on here. You're awesome. And Carl declined. He had behaved himself on this outing, and he was tired of behaving. <laughs> right. going to say he, he didn't get to kill nobody for what, how long? Yeah, he hadn't, and he hadn't raped anybody in months either. <coughs> oh, man. Well, that we know of. That we know of. I don't think he killed anybody on the ship. Well, yeah, I mean, he probably yeah, he could have killed anybody on the ship. They would have known no. that. <laughs> So um, he left more free than he had ever been, and you know because nobody was looking for him there. Yeah. Now but I bet that don't last long. No, it doesn't. Um, well, put a knife in that. Okay, where's my knife? There it is. <laughs> White people were in charge there, and the the black natives were treated as second class or even third class citizens. You know the 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 white people were occupying this Angola, yeah. you know, and so Carl being white not only gave him protection, it also gave him status. So um, oh, he, I think I see where this is going. <laughs> he he roamed around Angola doing whatever he wanted, and the twenty bucks that he had when he left the U.S. was worth a hell of a lot more in Angola. Gotta love that exchange rate. <laughs> But there, there were things that were available for a price that Carl wanted. But these, air quote, luxuries were out of his price range, if you know what I mean. Yep. I'm picking up what you're putting down. But the local population, they were poor. And the white overlords um, who were, you know, there, they, they were, they were all, they were all protective, pr- protected. 
Yep. So if Carl wanted some of these luxuries, he'd have to work again. So the, the Sinclair Oil Company, they were doing expeditions at the local oil reserves there, and they had made a fortune in the U.S., and they were looking to expand as any major oil conglomerate does. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the lax laws in Angola made it possible for them to cut costs on labor, as well as the fact that there were ba- barely any safety requirements, um, and, and the locals were working for practically nothing, and that meant that they could double their profits. You know, yep. don't have to spend any money on safety, don't have to pay them jack shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Makes you proud to be a white man, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the proof of the proof is in the pudding requiring safety, though. You know, they, they wouldn't let white people do the field work because it was more dangerous than, than in the U.S. because of all the cost, the, the cost cutting. So they, like I said, they exploited the locals. 50 cents a week, you work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, get to work. Damn. <laughs> Yay, oil companies. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Field bosses had basically become slave drivers to the locals, and Carl Carl was hired immediately as a field boss. (laughs) I bet. And he he loved it. He was was finally in a position of authority where he could brutalize a group of people and not suffer any consequences. (laughs) Yeah, that was a... That that ended up being a good trip for him. Not going to be rooting for him on this episode. <laughs> no, I'm already not. Because I, I, I can see where this is going, so no, I ain't rooting for him. Yeah, you know what's coming. So the uh, the, the higher-ups kind of found this, this attitude that he had disturbing, but they were okay with it, with the yields that he was producing from his unit. His unit, and he's got no you know oil experience, but his unit is outproducing every other unit out there. I wonder why. He was a tyrant who forced his work ethic on people who weren't in good enough shape or strong enough to to safely conform to Carl's work ethic. <laughs> I mean, wow. you know, I I have a I have a good work work ethic. I, I'm a hard worker and everything, but I I can go out there and, and work for you know ten hours and all that stuff, and I don't quit until I'm done. I feel it for the next three or four days though, but I don't. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to expect a 13-year-old kid to go out there and do the same shit that I can do. Right. You know, but <sighs> um, Carl's crew production blew the other crews out of the water, and Carl was very well compensated. Okay. He had just kept his nose clean. <laughs> And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you rotten kids. Oh, yeah. But now that he had money, he was able to sample the expensive forbidden fruit. Yep. Wasn't uncommon for the dirt poor and destitute locals to sell their children. Mm-hmm. You, is that where you thought it was going? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Well, in his warped mind, he felt like he could have a uh, could have lived a normal life there in Angola. Yeah, normal to him being, you know, paid well to brutalize the much less fortunate. But there, 
there was one thing that he felt that he had to overcome in order to be normal. Well, it's what he would consider normal. Take a guess as to what that is. Oh. I don't know. I can't think we, right now. We've covered it already. We have? Mm-hmm. It was covered more in part one than it was in part two. Wait, no, 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 my bad. It was covered at the beginning of part two. What, he wanted to be a dad? No. I don't remember. I really don't. Okay. He had to get over his disdain for females. Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I got so I, get, I remember he, that now. Well, he may have wanted to be a dad because he wanted to get over his disdain for females. Yeah. I don't know. I ain't Carl. I'm not. We're not counting that one, though. <laughs> no. But, that was that was uh, that goes in the Todd didn't get it column. <laughs> so he went to a local family that had two daughters with, um, and he brought a translator with him. This fucking translator needs to needs to be beaten with a sack of hammers too. Yeah, right. I mean, can you imagine this? Like the the translator negotiating this deal for the daughter. And actually saying it with a straight face. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm so thankful. I'm. I'm thankful that I live in the United States and wasn't born in any of these third world countries. You know. Oh yeah. Because I speak from ignorance. Because <laughs> I speak from ignorance. <laughs> right. Oh man. But, ah. Car. We're and. We're we're gonna kind of see Carl's sick sense of humor come out too, in this. Okay. Car- Carl agreed, and the family the family agreed. Um, yeah, the uh, they, they agreed on the eight year old daughter, and Carl agree they they agreed on six dollars. Six dollars. Wow. But Carl stipulated that it was it's only good to me if she's a virgin. Yeah, oh, because no. he's still he still can't get over this whole unclean thing, right? So if she's a virgin, then she's obviously. Oh yeah, because didn't he, didn't he get the clap or something, gonorrhea yeah. or some shit? The one time he slept with a girl, a first class case of gonorrhea, <laughs> right? That's what it was. <laughs> well, he did mess with those nurses on, when he was out of out of um, Salem on the Pinky Promise release program. Oh yeah, that's right, but. The father assured him that she was, and eight years old, I would hope that she was. Yeah, no shit. But Carl's like, I don't know about this. Gonna have to inspect her. Oh, God. So Carl brought her back to his cabin. Cabin? Cabin. His cabin. What's what's a cabin? I don't know. Is Is that how a redneck says Cuban? Could be. I had me a good old Cuban sandwich. <laughs> Cuban sandwich. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, we leave these in because we know you guys love it. <laughs> At least even, we hope you do. <laughs> even, well, no, nobody's given us one star's review about about that. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. <laughs> now they're going to well, come flying. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I know there you're is. still listening. I, li- I know you're still listening, Tina Marie thirteen or T Marie thirteen, whatever your name was. Whatever your name was. 
Something like that. Hi. Hi. How are you? We miss you. You should we text. Do. You should message us more. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck. I'm an idiot. Oh God damn. What lack of sleep does to you? If she listened to any of our episodes, she should have known that we weren't going to let that go away. Well. Well, unless she listened to like some of the really early ones. Yeah, I mean, I, some of them, not say. all. Yeah, I mean, I listened to "Death of Michael Malloy" the other day. Yeah, that one holds up to our more recent stuff, kinda. And I mean, you can kind of hear we're kind of green and everything, but content-wise and everything, and how it was delivered, and all it it holds up. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a good and, one. I, and, and that was our first episode. So, yep. Um, <laughs> but um, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Carl That's brought it. her back to his cabin. Yeah, you know, the, the the cabin that was provided free of charge to him by Sinclair, and he examined her all night long. <laughs> and God. her her screams could be heard all through the night. And the next morning, he walked the girl back to his family, or back to her family, claiming that she wasn't a virgin. Well, of course, she's not now. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Sick fuck. Jesus Christ! See now, now we get to now we get to give him the fucking treatment. Okay. Yep. And he, oh yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna be brutal on him. Oh, of course, we have to. So he wanted the six-year-old daughter to make to compensate for the family's deception because she wasn't a virgin. Well, of course, he did. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, the family was terrified, and they agreed. I mean, I'd be terrified, too, if Frankenstein was standing at my door. <laughs> you know that's not the name of the monster, right? I know. Didn't we talk about that one time? No, anyway, Frank that's, that's Frankenstein, Frankenstein was the monster. No, the doctor's Doc, name was Frankenstein. Doctor, Dr. Frankenstein created the monster. The monster yeah. was not Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein was the monster. I guess you could look at it like that, yeah. Yes. I'll give I you that. that I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look at it that way, but I'll give you that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, but so they, they gave up the, the six-year-old. And Carl was seen by, you know, with both girls, you know, as he was walking them to and from their house, you know, mm -hmm. their, their family's house and everything. He was He was seen by people who worked for Sinclair and by law enforcement. But since he wasn't raping a white person, the <laughs> occupying white law enforcement didn't bat an eye. Oh, and, boy. and he was making lots of money for Sinclair, so they didn't care either. Yep, sounds like he's got it made. Fucking yeah. sick fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I I don't care if I if I somehow like come up with some ingenious idea like like let's say let's say I come up with something that like Jeff Bezos did. Yeah, you know, where I where I start like selling mailing books out of my garage and that becomes Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know, if I find if I find out that one of my employees is doing something like this, I'm I'm personally, you know, number one firing his ass and number two, you know, paying for the attorney for the victim. Yeah. <laughs> I, it wouldn't even get that far with me. <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. 
I'm sure you are. But anyway. <sighs> so Carl stripped the six-year-old down, but he couldn't get aroused. He just wasn't into women, and he accepted that. He was only into violent and brutal rape of men. So he dressed the girl and took her back to her family unharmed. But he had totally destroyed the eight-year-old. Damn. Carl climbed into a whiskey bottle after that for a few days. And one night he was in a bar that was for the Sinclair employees. And um, most of the people had gone, but there was a local teenage boy there who was working as a waiter. He was the son of one of the local oil workers. And um, Carl had been tipping this boy very well, which is why the boy stayed longer. Oh, okay. Carl was a dick to this kid, but he was actually treating him better than most of the Sinclair white men did. So the kid loosened up and even started drinking with Carl. Oh, all right. Which which loosened him up even more. So Carl starts giving him a history lesson about the ancient Greeks. Oh, God. And there the, we go. The, 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 the man-boy relationships that they were known to have and how sodomy was perfectly normal. That sound familiar? Yes. Remember part one? Yes. When that when yeah. Well yes. yes. The boy didn't warm up to it the way Carl did back in part one, but Carl took it and did a hell of a lot worse than that 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 man and his friends did to him. Okay. See there there. There was no homosexual shame in Angola like there was in the U.S. The U.S. at this point. So the the boy reported Carl to his boss at Sinclair, but they, he didn't care about it. But it was an assault which could cause problems for Sinclair. We're talking Sinclair, and my mind is wanting to say camper van. Camper van. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus. Angus Sinclair episode, if you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about. Goddamn camper vans. They're always showing up. (laughs) There's no camper van in this. Carl never knew how to. I don't think Carl Carl ever drove in his entire life, honestly. I don't. Yeah, probably not. But, um, you know, the. The assault could cause problems for them, and not not because of any ethical reason, but he, remember that scene in the movie Ants, where the the big grasshopper dude is just like, "You see this little peanut," and the other one's, "Yeah, it's tiny," and then he like pulls the lever on the on the or it wasn't a peanut; it was a piece of grain, and he pulls the the lever on it, and I all come out. And it's like, Arr! see, <laughs> that one peanut is tiny, but. A bunch of them. They outnumber us a hundred to one. <laughs> Remember right. that? Yeah, that's yeah. I do. That's well, as far as animated movies go. That one was pretty good. It was all right. Yeah, but but still, that essentially was what the the way Sinclair was looking at it. I'm waiting because for they, Disney to make the live action version of Ants. <laughs> Even though it wasn't a Disney movie, I don't think. But you know, no, it, was, it, you was know Pic- it, it was Pixar. You know they're going to. <laughs> but um, so his boss called Carl in and read him the riot act for that. Now, 
Carl Panzram was a lot of things, but one thing he wasn't was somebody who would sit there and take it while somebody was chastising him about something that he knew that he had actually done wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I made it through that without getting tongue tied. I am too. That was that, that was a long one. It was. I think that was that was the longest one of those anecdotes that I've done yet. Yeah, but but Carl beat the living shit out of this guy and even broke several chairs over his body um, after after the the guy collapsed and couldn't hold himself up anymore. He he put this man into a coma, and then he went into town waiting for the inevitable, but the arrest never came. But Carl was broke now. Um, yeah. He he went back. To, he went to the U.S. consulate and demanded passage on the ship back to the U.S. Jeez. Oh, okay. The consulate told Carl to fuck off. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. But the consulate had also had two armed guards standing on either side of his desk. Smart man. <laughs> but the the Sinclair brass had figured Carl would try to get out and and they had reported his crimes to the to the consulate. And the consulate had been in touch with various police departments in the US about Carl and his and his his record was coming back to haunt him. He told he told Carl that he was a monster and the US didn't want him back and the only thing that was waiting for him if he did make it back to the US was a noose. A noose. I love the balls on this guy, but if he didn't have two armed guards, he would have been like, okay, where do you want to leave, sir? <laughs> right? Oh, shit. <laughs> so Carl set up in the woods near the oil fields where he planned on preying on the wealthy Americans who would come to trade with the locals. Okay. And, of course, there was a personal element to this, too. Oh, yeah. I must get revenge on Sinclair <laughs> because we all know that he can't take being fired. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it wasn't going as well as planned. See, see, they, they knew that he, that Carl was out there, so they would travel in armed groups. And since he wasn't under Sinclair's umbrella anymore, he wasn't protected by them, by anybody either. Ooh. All right. So Carl's alone in the woods, getting hungry and desperate, and one day a local boy stumbles across Carl. Bad move. <laughs> yeah. I ain't blaming the victim, but that boy had, it was not that boy's day. Yeah. But it wasn't his fault either. You didn't know. No, it wasn't. No, he didn't. He was just out yeah. there probably you know, looking for you know, like berries or something like that. You know, just yeah. Maybe, uh, anyway. maybe, maybe hunting or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but the, you know, Carl grabbed him, ripped him, ripped off his clothes, and began raping him. And the the boy tried to cart the to cart. <laughs> the, bo- <sighs> the boy tried to fight Carl, but obviously it was no match for Carl. And all of Carl's rage was taken out on this taken out on this boy. He had him like on a, a like a large slab of rock, and he would smash the boy's head in sequence with his thrusts. Oh Jesus, that's terrible! And then, then he um, he smashed the boy's head, and his his skull and brain splattered as Carl, uh, you know, yeah. So 
Carl then waited until dark. And what do you think he did? Mm. I don't know. Went into town? <laughs> no, he went back into the sink, the oil area. Oh, well, you know, close enough. <laughs> what do you think he did? Uh, Kill somebody? Nope. Oh, all right. Then I have no idea. Did he rape somebody? Oh, he lived. Oh, that's right. He did do fires too, didn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. He set fire to the rigs. They now had oil fires. That's... And... Which, no rigs means no money for the locals. Well, and... Like losing a... Like, to you and me, it would be like losing a quarter to Sinclair, but... Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, the locals tried bucket brigades to put it out, but nothing happened. It just, it just, like a tire fire, you just got to let it die out on its own. Grab a beer and watch it burn. That was a horrible Hank Hill. Yeah, just watch it burn. That was a horrible Hank Hill. I used to try and I just gave up. <laughs> I think the line's funny enough. You don't have to do the voice. Yeah. Plus, I can't do voices, so it's all good. As we found out on that one, what was that episode we did? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that was an early one. But the fire finally died out on its own, and one-tenth of the production from, from that reserve was gone in one night. Wow. But they never, they never figured out the true cause of the blaze. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, think about it. It, it makes sense. I mean, the last thing they do is the last thing they're going to think is Carl Panzeram comes onto the comes onto the property and just like you know just flicks his bick. Yeah, um, yeah, that's not gonna. Yeah. But with, but because of all the lack safety procedures that they had going on there, I mean, anything could have set that off. Yeah, good and that's, point. And that's probably how they looked at it. Yeah, so, I bet it's. I bet that is. I bet that's exactly what they did. They're yeah. like, you know, we're not really uh, doing any kind of safety regulations here, so anything could happen. Right. That's probably that probably is exactly what happened. Carl Panzeram probably never even crossed their minds in that fire. Yeah. So for all that, you know, for what they were concerned, he was long gone. Yep. Or maybe, it, well, they they needed he was out in the woods, but they they probably didn't think that he'd have the balls to come back onto the property. Little did they know. Little did they know. But but still, I I I'm I, I'm positive that Carl never came up in conversation. Oh yeah, <laughs> no doubt. But Carl knew, and that was good enough for him. Yeah. So. Carl got the hell out of there and he went to Libido Bay and it, that place was a shithole. I mean, it made it made Angola it made Angola look like a resort. Libido Bay, L O B I T O, Libido. Okay, not like never mind. Not Libido, not Libido, yeah. Libido. Well, you know, I mean, we had Otto Hooker in, a, in, a, in another <laughs> episode. I mean, why not? <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> you know, I mean, shit. And Mentos. But, oh God! 
<laughs> I just blew up the oil reserves. But I got Mentos. It's okay. <sighs> yeah. Actually, Auto Hooker got Mento. Yeah, Auto Hooker got him. That's right. <laughs> oh, so, man. His money was worth even more there, and the, the poverty was through the straw roofs of the shitty huts in town. All right. He, he frequented he frequented the bars and of and of course he did. Well, yeah. A drink a drink in um, Luanda, Angola, which is where he was, cost a nickel there. So, but the, there obviously wasn't much to do touristy there, short of the canoe rides and hunting expeditions. And the target for these hunting expeditions, take a guess. Uh, kids. No. Legitimate business. People in general? <laughs> no. Sorry, I watch too many movies. Uh, what, like lions and tigers and bears, oh my? No, no, and no, but you're close. Elephants? Rivers. Rivers. Fish? Snakes, anacondas? I, I said you were close when you said lion, tigers, and bears, and you go fish. Well, you said rivers. What else? You live in Florida. They have alligators in Africa? No, but they do have crocodiles. Oh, yeah, I guess they do. The Nile's over there. (laughs) I was never good at geography. I said they had rivers. This is in Africa. Well, there's fish in rivers. They're not big game fish. You ever seen an alligator gar? Or a tarpon? I mean, I don't know if they have tarpon over there, but you've seen a tarpon? This is freshwater. Oh, wait. Alligator gar, freshwater. Dude, it is what it is. Crocodiles, Todd. Crocodiles. Crocodiles, okay. (laughs) I got it now. Huge crocodiles, and put a knife in that. Oh, where's my knife? Oh, shit, I got to take it out of the other guy. And put it in this one. <laughs> I'm down to one knife. <laughs> so Carl hired a larger boat and six white men with the last of his cash that he had. Okay. And they went upstream, meaning against the current. And um, and the, the locals, thinking that they were just on a three-hour tour. <laughs> oh, nah. little buddy. It was a several-day tour and they were just but they were they were pointing out the smaller crocs uh, crocodiles to carl and we're like but don't don't worry we'll see the, we'll see some big ones tomorrow I promise always the were, promise of tomorrow no but they weren't lying they knew where the crocs were oh, the big okay. one so that they stopped and they dragged the boat a ways into the woods so that nobody would get in, get eaten during the night and they didn't realize it, but they had less to worry about from the crocodiles than they did from their passengers. <laughs> yes. Very true. God. Uh. They set up, they set up camp and they ate and they went to sleep and, you know, with, with one crew member standing guard and, you know, like in, in like two shifts through the night or whatever, two or three shifts. But Carl couldn't sleep. Of course not. He had some rapelin to do. I need to kill. I need oh, to man. kill. And Rapel. And Rapel. 
<laughs> both. I need both at the same time. So Carl got up to take a piss, and the 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 crewman that was standing watch accompanied him because of the threat from the crocodiles. Carl did his business, and the next morning the other crew members um, had woken up and they had heard a gunshot. But that that wasn't uncommon, so they thought nothing of it. But Carl came back alone. Of course he did. He mentioned for one of the crew, it was like, hey, you, come, come on, there's something wrong. Come on, come with me. <laughs> there's something wrong. Something was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they went to the same place where the first guy was, and, and Carl was on on him right as the the guy right as the crewman noticed the bullet hole in his buddy's head carl then raped him and killed killed him he did the same thing with the other four men and why they fell for this i have no idea unless he was unless they all didn't wake up at the same time it could be yeah that that's the only thing it can be honestly because it's okay he comes back once alone yeah, and everybody's awake having coffee, and you know. And then he comes back alone again. Something happened to the other guy. Come quick! But only one of you. Only one of you. Yeah, <laughs> they they had to have been like waking up once, one at a time. Yeah, that's that's the that's only the only way that would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, Jesus! But Carl had raped and murdered six men in less than twelve hours. Then, Damn. <laughs> He he then stole his money back. I mean, you know, he likes his gu- he he likes his guides to be alive. Thank you very much. <laughs> he went he went back to the river, and there was a pack of particularly big crocodiles, and they got and those crocodiles got a very big meal that day. Yeah. So Carl cleaned the boat up, put it back in the water, and they headed downstream back to Libido Bay. But the, the locals there didn't buy a story about how six extremely experienced sailors and crocodile hunters managed to get eaten by crocodiles. <laughs> right. And, and Carl, the, as the sole survivor, without even a single scratch on him. <laughs> yeah, that that's not going to fly. Not to mention the boat didn't have a scratch on it either. <laughs> Oh, he didn't think this one through. It well, he didn't care. Well, you know, yeah. you know, but, I mean. you know, white people still ruled there and all that stuff. But everyone knew Carl had killed him. But remember, I said that these were white men. Mm-hmm. If word had gotten out that six white men were killed and murdered, the town would have been a, a blamed and obliterated. And once again, racism saves Carl's ass, and he slipped away like Homer Simpson into the bushes in that meme. <laughs> right. Oh God! So he survived the next few weeks in the woods, preying on unsuspecting locals in every way imaginable. And then he tried to get on board an American ship, but all the ships had been warned about him, and 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 about the fact that he was known to stow away. So security there was tight. They they were they were on the lookout for Carl. Mm, good. And they had pictures. They probably I'm sure they had pictures like sent over in like a telegram or whatever from <laughs> the United States or. A telegram. Can, can you send a picture through a telegram? I don't know. I don't if, think so. If, no, I don't think you can either. But still, I'm sure they. I'm, they probably sent a description. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many 
guys that big were there. Well, that's true. Yeah, the six foot five brood of a man that looks like a looks like a freaking demon out of hell that um yeah with, with dick on his breath. <laughs> with dick on his breath. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Got him! Uh, <laughs> fuck. Yep, you got me. Oh, gee. Oh, my God. We're going to hell. <laughs> so. Oh, man. On, on more than one occasion, Carl was caught trying to climb on board ships at night. And every time he was caught, and they just chunked him into the water. <laughs> just threw his ass overboard. Get off my boat. Now I've been thrown from a train and a boat. <laughs> and I'm still kicking. <laughs> um, so he he found a ship bound for Portugal and he got on board one of them. And he did the same thing that he had done before, staying hitting and, and, and merging and convincing the captain that he was a good worker and earning his keep. <clears throat> He's a creature of habit. Mm-hmm. He keeps redoing the same things that he had done previously, regardless of whether they worked or not. I guess you throw shit at a wall enough times, eventually you're going to hit something. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> it's going to hit something. So he arrived in Lipson, Portugal, where he quickly found the bars and people to rob. Uh, yeah. And it's Lisbon, not Lipson. That's what I said, Liz. I'm, yeah, you, know, you said Lipson, but it's all right. I wasn't letting that one go. Not after the dick on his breath. <laughs> God, you let the, you let you let that one go because you have dick on your breath. No. <laughs> no, I made it. I, <laughs> I made I made a typo. Uh, I'm I'm like um, Ron Burgundy. I just read what's on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Who put a question mark at the end of that line? You know he reads exactly what's on the teleprompter. No, I I I it. Yeah, it's, it's, Ron it's, it's Burgundy. A typo. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. So, but it was different than in Angola when he was in um, Lisbon, and <laughs> and definitely in the, different than the U.S. In Angola, it was a wild west type of environment, you know, for him anyway, because of because of the racism. In the U.S., he'd commit a crime, hop a train, and go elsewhere. But Portugal was different, and the po- police in Portugal were on him immediately, so he had to bounce. So, where did he go next? Take a guess. Germany? No. Like <laughs> Back said, to the U.S.? Creature of habit. Creature of habit. Uh, I don't know. He hopped on a train to somewhere? No. He went back to the U.S. consulate. Okay. Well, I said U.S. I was close. But, I mean, I know he was still over there, so I got you. But uh, this this consulate wasn't as ballsy as the one in Angola, but he still wasn't going to help Carl. Um you know, it's like let some other con- country deal with Carl. <laughs> so Carl tried to board a U.S. ship again, and once again he was thrown overboard. 
I can just see him like hitting the water, coming back up. Boiled again. <laughs> Carl angry. Carl angry. Let Carl on boat. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. All right. He he finally got on a British naval ship that was headed for Glasgow, Scotland. Um, he he made it he made it on, but his little ruse was unsuccessful. Oh, the uh, the captain didn't care how good of a worker Carl was. Carl was flogged at the mid mast of his ship and then thrown at a a brig where he resumed his rodent diet. <laughs> well, you said it, creature, have it. Yeah, well, it's just all all is there, you know, Portugal to Scotland in a, you know, nineteen hundred era sailing vessel. Yes, that's yeah, not, that's not a short trip. Mm-mm. So, Carl was sentenced to a long stint in a British prison, but he pulled uh, Pee Wee Gaskins and he slipped out in a rolling laundry basket under mounds of dirty prison laundry. Well, it couldn't have been mounds. That guy was so big. It could have been like two or three fucking uniforms covering. Because <laughs> you know he filled up the entire basket. Yeah, probably. With just him. So he went to the docks, this time using an alias, and he gave a verbal resume as to his experience at sea. And while there are many with more experience, that big, halting brute with a great work ethic got him hired. Okay. And- not not to mention the fact that all he wanted was um was to work on the on the ship in exchange for food and passage and he was headed back to New York. I, I thought for sure you're going to say all he wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> so in 1992 in 1922 Carl makes it back to New York City and it was the beginning of the summer. He went to the port authority to get paperwork for his yacht. Remember, he had gotten, he had bought, he had purchased that one legally. Well, with stolen money, but the purchase was legal. As, as far as <laughs> the purchase as far, was legal, <laughs> as far as they were concerned, right? So they, he then began looking for similar boats to his that he could steal. You know, do the old little repaint and switcheroo. You mm-hmm. know, oh yeah, why not? And I'm sure that he was drinking when he came up with this, but he decided that he could make a pretty good living as a mafia hitman because this is during Prohibition. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no doubt that he would have made a good hitman. I don't know. He's too sloppy. Well, yeah, you got a point there. I mean, not for the mafia. He could have done it, you know, like hitman for hire, like a, you know, private, like a independent contractor. Maybe he wasn't drunk when he, because, because he was trying to make provisions. No. He wound up in Pro- Providence, Rhode Island, and then into Connecticut, where he found an arms dealer who made silencers. Oh. And he was really pissed off when he found out that silencers didn't actually make the gun silent. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make the little pew-pew sound it does in the movies. No, it just lowers the volume by a factor of, like, two or three. <laughs> yeah, most of them. I mean, it depends on what gun you put it on. If you put it on 22, it, I mean, it's not going to be completely silent, but 
No, it'll it'll but, quiet it sufficiently, but if you put it on like a forty-five or a nine millimeter, it's still or even loud. a thirty, even a thirty-eight. And Carl preferred thirty-eights, and those are loud too. They're not as loud as a forty-five, but a thirty-eight's still loud. Yeah. But so he bailed on that plan. It's just, dude, you you you're pulling people off of the street and you know raping them. In solid, you know, you, you're able to find these quiet places. If you want to freaking off somebody for profit, just do this. Just pretend you're raping them, and you know, just get them in some place like that. Pop, you're you're gone, and you're out of there, and you go get your money. But he didn't think about that like that. He just wanted like a. I just fired a gun. He wanted that kind of a silencer, right? <laughs> but. At at this point, he was in Salem, Massachusetts, and he didn't really care much for the name of this town. Okay, yeah, I, I guess he wouldn't. Would he? <laughs> no, <laughs> but oh Jesus! It, at least he's not a witch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, uh, this is one of the worst. Um, I mean, not as far as what he does, but what he does after. Yeah. So there he met a boy named George McGregor, or George McMahon. And George had a basket with him. And Carl's like, hey, um, you want, you know, what's, what's the basket? He's like, I'm going to get groceries for my mom. And he's like, hey, will you show me this around town? I just, uh, actually, you know what? I have to do this, right? He says, would you show me around town? I just got in town. I don't know the place yet. <laughs> and George agreed. And he and Carl walked off with George just happily spilling his life story to Carl. And, you know, they, they went to a grocery store where Carl bought a magazine and he got both of them sodas or, or, or pops because this is Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, but George's aunt worked at the store and Carl was friendly to her and she thought nothing of this hulking brood of a man hanging out with her 11-year-old nephew. But you got Different them sacks, boy, bars. Different times, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't but, the internet yet. <laughs> no. Or America's but, most wanted. Yeah. Carl then asked George if he wanted to make 50 cents. And George agreed, and they hopped on a tr- they dropped on a trolley, and Carl made George think that he had a a surprise for him, and he did, just <laughs> not the surprise the kind of surprise that George had in mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it's I mean, fuck. Ugh. Oh, it's just the word the way I word this shit. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Th- I mean, that that is part of it. Yeah, for sure. But, I know. It, I mean, it, at the it, same it, time, though, it's, it's levity. Like, it's it's a horrible story and everything, and you kind of have yeah. to laugh at it and get a beer and everything, and you know, to, to get through it and all that stuff. But, but I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, yeah, I, I, we have not the the only the only victim here. There's there's been two victims since we started this podcast that we have ragged on, and that was um, Dee Dee Blanchard, Gypsy Rose's mother. Yes, because she fucking deserved it. And there was Henry Lee Lucas's mother. She fucking deserved it too. 
Absolutely. You know, people say, well, why is it always the people that, uh, it's like, oh, they were, they light up a, they light up the room with their smile when they walk in. They love to laugh and blah, 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 blah. Why is it always these people? Well, there's two of them right there. Dee Dee Blanchard and Henry Lee Lucas's mother. Yes. Kill yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, it's too I knew I had a feeling it was going there. Because why not? (laughs) But yeah, those those two actually did deserve it. So but one hundred percent. Any other victim that we've covered, I mean we're yeah, we're sympathetic to them and their families. Always. So they uh, they got off the trolley and once they were alone, Carl says I'm going to kill you. I'm going to sodomize you until you die. I'm going to smash your skull until your brains leak out. Do you understand me? I don't think George understood what he was talking about. I wouldn't think so. I would hope not. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, no. But... Uh, he then raped George for more than three hours, and he just pulled him off the street, and he found a place in private in the city where he could rape him during the daytime for three hours. That's wow. what I was talking. That's what I was talking about about him, you know, wanting to be the hitman and all that stuff. If you can do that, why, you know, why can't you just find a, a place? I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not. exactly right. <laughs> I'm not saying this is what you should have done, Carl, but you know, because you shouldn't have done any of it. But still, it's like. God, if you can do that, shooting a guy in the head and then getting the hell out of there, hell, use President Taft's gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But that was a 45. That's to be too loud because silencers don't really silence anything. That's true. Uh, anyway. If it was a 38 with a silencer on it. If, as, as long as they were far enough away, then as long as they were in, in a place that echoed, it would have been okay. <laughs> yeah. That's why in the grasslands out, you know, on the New Jersey side of the George Washington Bridge, there's probably hundreds of bodies buried there. Oh, yeah. Carl took his time and got lots of pleasure from his torture of George, and then then he smashed his head with a rock when he was done. And then this is the part that I was saying, it's just, like, fucked up. Like, not that the, the rest of it wasn't fucked up, but this is just even more fucked up. All right. Do you remember what I said that he bought from that grocery store that his aunt worked at? No. Two pops and a magazine. Okay. He um, ripped pages out of the magazine and stuffed them in George's mouth as a way to let his aunt know that the friendly man with her nephew took good care of him. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. He did cover the body up so it would be harder to find, you know, giving him time to get out of Salem. And he was found, you know, George was found three days later and police began arresting suspects, but none of them were identified by George's aunt. And this story actually made national news. Did it? All right. By this time, Carl was back in New York um, and he had started using the name John O'Leary at this point. And he had gotten a job, uh, a night watchman at a mill company. Okay. The manager figured nobody would break in 
with this brute watching the place. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, now his business had been hit a couple of times, and it was you know it 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 was probably mafia related in some degree. Mm-hmm. But so he, he sees Carl and. Hey, Carl's like, okay, okay. I'll come be bored. I'll come be bored at your company. <laughs> yeah, right. Jesus. All right. So it was, like I said, it was a, a boring job to Carl. What, it, what, you know, Carl even started bringing moonshine onto the job to pass the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that. I could totally see that happening. Damn it. Yeah. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm fidgety again. I can't help it. Stop it. I'm trying. But I'm going to handcuff my hands to my arms and my chair so I can't fidget with the mic anymore. <laughs> but, um, one of the teenage boys who, who worked there, it was another George, ironically enough. His, oh. This guy's name was George um, Wallace. W-A-L-O-S-I-N. Wallison. I'm just going to call him Wallison. That sounds right. He hung around after the second shift ended and he was shooting the shit with Carl and Carl was in the mood. So Carl began to force himself on George, but George didn't resist. This was consensual. And Carl and George kind of became sort of an item. Oh, And Carl was discovering sort of a soft spot in his hide for George. Yeah. But of course, he knew that the relationship could only be temporary, right? Because he had heart spots too. Yeah, exactly. That came out wrong, or did it? Well, I mean, you know, we were talking in part two. Like he could have, he could have, when he was escaping from Salem, he probably could have been shot several times. And it wouldn't have even phased him. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's got that definite. He's got the mindset to be indestructible for sure. Yeah. At least for a little bit. <laughs> when limbs but, start falling off, that's kind of where it ends. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the, the following spring, Carl was in a predicament. Uh-oh. He, need, he needed blood, and he didn't want su- to subject George to it. So he told George that he had to go away and take care of some things, but he'd be back in the summer to get George, and they'd go away, and they'd have amazing adventures together. <laughs> okay. Once, once again, I am not setting you up. Okay, I hope not. If I say I'm, if I say I'm not, I'm not. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll we'll use that as the uh, what do we, what do we, uh, what the guide the guideline the, the uh, safe the safe word the the goalpost. That's the goalpost. If you say word. you're not messing with me, then you're not. Okay, right, right. So so Carl went back to the rails, but the drifters the drifters were being kept off of the trains at this point, resu- resulting in homeless camps and desolate places popping up. <sighs> Starting to look more more like uh, modern times now. Oh yeah. Also, crops in the Midwest were beginning to fail. Guess why? Dust bowl. Yep, the dust bowl was looming. Um, normal people were already losing their homes and livelihoods at this point and were becoming homeless. So Carl didn't know what to do. Um, so plan A was back in play. Steal a boat that looked like his because he had the paperwork for it. So he found one in Providence, Rhode Island. It needed work, but Carl could handle it. He waited until midnight and took it out into the river. And by 
by the morning he was um to the long island sound where his original boat was except it was on the bottom <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um along with a along with a, a a handful of his victims and all of the riches that he had on said boat <laughs> did he have riches well yeah he had been he had been basically pirating at night and everything oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that's yeah. right that's right yeah so he had yeah. loot all right yeah he was he was doing pretty well running that scam with right on. the with the guys and all that stuff that he was i keep wanting to say that he ate them i mean i'm curious <laughs> it, I, I, it, he's got that vibe i know i was thinking the same thing it's like dude i'm surprised he didn't <laughs> you know i mean dude he it's it's like I mean, if he hadn't got caught, it probably would have escalated that. I, I agree. I agree. Like because, you know, I mean. Especially, especially if he managed, if he wound up going back out into the Midwest during the Dust Bowl. He was ready to go get George, but he still had a few things that he had to do first. As you do. So, so Carl's new ride, he always has a few things he needs to do first. Um, but Carl's new ride was moored in New Haven and he began his latest rape and rob spree. Yeah, and he wasn't making as much as he wanted, so he set on his sights on the mansions again. He was cautious this time. And he also knew that his next arrest could easily be his last. <laughs> well, yeah. So what and, I mean, it, so you said he was cautious, so he, he we headed outside to make sure nobody was home. They all left? Yeah, pretty much. But uh, but but that that plan was short lived, um, and we're getting to that well right now. But but if 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 he had gotten arrested and sent away for life or executed or whatever, that would mean no Georgie, right? I can't live without my Georgie. We all I float out here, Georgie. I'm going to hug him and squeeze him and call him George. <laughs> Dude, you're 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 doing you're doing Looney Tunes and I'm doing fucking Stephen King. That's... <laughs> but that's Carl Pan's Ram. I know. That, that, I mean, and that's perfect because he is Looney Tunes and Stephen King. All yes. <laughs> so it was. It worked out good. But yeah, that's funny. So um, but. But the reason why he kind of abandoned that plan, I mean, he it, he might have got, you know, like robbed one and then ran into a little bit of a problem. Take a guess as what the problem was. Uh, the boat couldn't hold all the stuff he stole? You're close. Or, or are we still talking about the boat? I don't even no, know. No, 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 no. You're, you're very close. How would he get his haul back to the boat? Carry it. I mean, oh, he, that's, he, a, that's the problem. How would he get oh, his haul back to the okay. boat? <laughs> uh, I thought you were asking me. I'm like, no, the wheelbarrow. I don't know. Yeah, but that's gonna. He's going from the freaking Britsy area of New Haven oh, back yeah. to the thing. And he doesn't have a car. He does, you know. So yeah, so it's just like yeah. okay, mm, it's, yeah, all right. So he decided that he'd start hitting the larger yachts, and he had already been successful at doing that at night already but most of you know but this would be easier because most of the bigger and nicer ones they'd be moored out in the bay because their rich owners would leave them you know they'd they'd go out and they party on them then they'd leave by digging and go back home at night 
So <laughs> they figured that by mooring them out in the bay that um that it was safe. It was safe from people like Carl. <laughs> well, you know. But he could he could he could sail right up next to a right up next to a boat, rob it, and be out of there in no time. Oh yeah. So Carl wound up with lots of jewelry to sell, as well as quite a, lic- a liquor selection. He <laughs> could open his own bar. <laughs> yeah, but prohibition was going on, so okay, yeah, he, he could open his own speakeasy. Yeah, but uh, how he, he could it, he, his boat was big enough; it was thirty-eight feet long. Yeah, he could probably, if he wanted to, he probably could have made a floating speakeasy and made bank. You just like speakeasy cruises, yeah. You know, I wonder if anybody did that. I'm sure they did. To be honest with you, back you know back then, I, I know that that happens like on a daily basis right now today. But but when it was illegal, uh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to cover prohibition as a topic of an episode at some point. Like do a deep dive into like everything that went on during Prohibition. Yeah, well, there, yeah, because there's well, I don't know about cults, but there was crimes, killers, and beer involved. So why not? Yeah, <laughs> and the the mafia. So we're gonna need Vic on that one. <sighs> Yay, Vic! But Carl wound up with uh. Yeah, prohibition was going on, and he could probably sell the booze for a lot. But this is Carl Pan's run we're talking about. Yeah, he's keeping that shit for himself. I mean, yeah. I did shit. <laughs> Carl had lost Taft's gun at that point, but one of the oh, boats no. that he had robbed belonged to the sheriff that he that arrested him a few years prior. Oh, he stole that gun and got the same satisfaction from killing with it that he had with Taft's gun. I could imagine. <laughs> Killing people with the sheriff's gun. Yep. Yeah. So. Anyway, the sheriff sheriff's out there drinking on his yacht when, during prohibition. Yeah, well, you know, rules for thee and not for me. Yep. So uh, finally, he went to go get George. He had lots of money, lots of booze, and once he got George, the two of them stocked the boat with food and other provisions. Um. And George just lost his mind when he saw the yacht and all the stuff inside it. He's like, oh, my God, jackpot. <laughs> so they, they set sail for a couple of days, and then another problem presented itself. Take a guess. He wrecked the boat again. Nope. Um, I don't know. George Wallison was a lot of things, but one thing he wasn't was seaworthy. Oh. He was seasick just about the entire time. Yeah, I can see how that would put a damper on the uh, romantic getaway. Yeah. So Carl still had to paint the yacht, so he moored in uh, at Kingston, repainted it, and renamed the boat, and he he named it what his other boat was called. Mm-hmm. And then he searched for a buyer. You know, it's just like, okay, I I don't want to lose Georgie. Right. So, so he he's going to sell the boat. So he found a guy, they had drinks, you know, they had drinks in a bar and then they went on, on board the boat. So the potential buyer could, you know, take it out and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the man was being shady and he tried to take the boat off of them for nothing. If you know what I mean. Okay. He pulled a gun. Yeah. Bad move. 
that that man never knew what hit him. As soon as he drew the gun, Carl got it off of him and shot him in the head. Like freaking ninja fast. <laughs> you know, I heard that it takes like it takes your brain what, like a hundred milliseconds to register pain. Mm-hmm. But um and I don't, I'm only saying this because this is the story that I heard. I don't know if it's true, but like um, the uh, the the little submarine that imploded, yeah, that implosion happened at point at, at 25 milliseconds. So they never they, they were dead before their brains even registered it. Well, which is a, the only way to go. A silver, That's the way a I silver lining. Go. Yeah, there's a silver lining there. But um, but this guy, he got that gun. It only takes like a half a <clears> second <throat> to pull the trigger of a gun. Oh yeah, Carl got it away from got it got it away from and shot him in the head in that amount of time. Yeah, well, you know, the the guy probably wasn't used to having a gun, and he definitely wasn't used to freaking you know Franken ninja. <laughs> Franken ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that movie, dude. We have to make that movie. Franken ninja. <laughs> Franken ninja. I love it. I'm surprised there hasn't been one yet. No kidding. Come on, Sci-Fi Jail. Make Frank yeah. Ninja. Frank and Ninja. <laughs> but- and, and, you, and you can make Frank and Ninja part shark. <laughs> <laughs> but but George, George, George was scared, and he just stood there as Carl pulled the wallet out of the man's pants and everything. And the money that the man had was just shoddy counterfeit bills. <laughs> really you know these con men they need to really I mean you're not going to pull a con on Carl Panzram yeah no matter how good you are Mm-mm. he's been through a hell of a lot worse than anything you can dish out oh yeah and he's I want to say, and he will eat you. And he will eat you. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. Because it just seems like him and Boone Helm Helm would have made quite the odd couple. (laughs) Indeed, they would have. (laughs) But shit. Anyway. So Carl told George to fetch the spare anchor so that they could get rid of him. And George was still scared. And he's like, we got to call the police. <laughs> Carl's like, the police are never going to take our our word for what happened. We'd both be arrested and we'd both be busting rocks for the rest of our life. Maybe he could be cellmates. He wasn't wrong, though. Yeah. But... um. Finally, George saw a reason, but he was still rattled. And they sailed off, and they finally dumped the body overboard. And this was only day three of their excursion. Wow. Just fucking wow, man. It's just... <laughs> I mean, at this point, I mean, it's just like... It's just like... it. It's a comedy of errors here with, with everything that he does. It just blows up in his face every single time. And these aren't bad plans that he's coming up with. It just, 
for every for every plan, there's like a gazillion different options and just the, the outcomes. Yeah, it's well, like they're, when, they're they're good plans. They're just poorly executed. It's it's like when um it's like when Iron Man asked um Doctor Strange, it's like um is there anyone where we went? Only one. Only one. <laughs> Is there anything where I get out of this scot free? Only one. Only one. <laughs> there can be only one. So the next morning when George woke up, Carl was gone. He had um Carl had gone into town to seal some fishing nets. And um George decided that he was done with all of this, so he jumped in the water to swim ashore, but some fishermen saw him and they scooped him out, out of the water. And George was like, I need the police. So he completely lied to them, saying that he had been promised a job on the boat and that Carl had raped him repeatedly the entire time that he was on the boat. And then he reported the shooting, which literally was self-defense, but George said that it was murder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the police issued a, a bolo for John O'Leary. Carl hadn't even told George his real name. <laughs> I I found that a little crazy, you know. That's like yeah, I yeah. I mean, if, if dude, if you're not, I mean, if you have a soft spot for this person or whatever, you know, like we talked about earlier, and you still yeah. don't tell that person your real name, that person is not long for this world. <laughs> no. But when when Carl got back and he realized he was gone, he he realized that you know, I mean, he had been betrayed before, but this one stung because you know, he he liked George. Yeah, he actually wasn't going to kill him. Yeah, remember in part one, I said he liked like maybe three people. Yeah, George George was one of them. I know. Um, so he he dropped to his knees, threw up his hands, and yelled, "For fake new kids." <laughs> No, he didn't. <laughs> uh. Oh, come on. Uh, I hadn't dropped one of those in a while. <laughs> I know. I thought it was over. Apparently not. It will never be over. You'll never see it coming. Okay. So you're probably right, though. (laughs) (laughs) He looked for he looked for George on the street, but he quickly learned that the police were looking on him. So he got back to his yacht and he got the hell out of Dodge. Um, Carl sailed all day, and by nighttime he had made it to Nyack, N Y A C K, New York. Yeah, I have no idea. Nyack, Yack, Yack, Yack. We'll just go. We'll just go with Yack. Yack. N Y A C K. Nyack. And yak. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. So he, he got drunk then and he passed out on, you know, it, on the boat. And he woke up the next morning staring into the twin bar- barrels of a shotgun. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wake up. I don't care how drunk I was. If I hear that, I'm waking up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. John O'Leary was arrested arrested on charges of sodomy, burglary, and robbery, and they seized his boat. Now, if you're scoring at home, Carl is 32 years old at this point. 
Okay, good, because I lost track. <laughs> but because I said wasn't he, scoring at home. <laughs> he he said that he was forty, and he was from Nevada, and you know, because of the hard life he'd had, he 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 could pass as forty. Oh yeah, for sure. But um, Car- Carl went down without a fight, and George George's betrayal really had him down. Mm-hmm. But once he was in jail, all of his primal instincts came back. Two days in jail, Carl attempted a jailbreak. He recruited five other inmates to help him, and they they broke apart their beds using the the metal as prying tools to dig the mortar away from their window bars. And Carl and his cellmate, yeah, Carl and his cellmate Fred Federoff, they were having success, but there was a routine inspection. And when the the guards came into his cell, Carl charged at him because he was caught in the act. And they overpowered him, and his um, and he was thrown into solitary confinement. His favorite place. <laughs> yep. His co-conspirators ratted Carl out as the ringleader. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But this prison, this this prison was a hotel compared to the other places that he had been. Well, yeah. Um, a cot and regular food while in solitary. <laughs> Three hots of cot and all the sex you don't want. I believe I said <laughs> that in the other one too, but anyway. Yeah, but he's in solitary. Mm. Although he, he, he was going to be in solitary for a while. So he had time to cook up and cook up a new plan, oh, but he, he I... was still, he was still an asshole while he was in solitary. It's just like when that little door would open up with his meal, he'd try to, he'd try to smash the hand or bite it. Right. <laughs> Why not? What else you got to do? You're in solitary. <laughs> and I may have um, jumped the gun on that one. That oh. may have happened. That may have happened later. Well, whatever. It happened. Spoiler alert! I, sorry. I picked, yeah, I picked. <laughs> I picked. I think that I, I didn't have that. I didn't have that here. I just. I, oh, yeah. it, it, it happens later. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. In, in court, Carl didn't. You know, he just sat there. He didn't. He didn't even talk to his public defender. He was just planning on what what to do next if he got uh, once or if he got out. Mm-hmm. But in consultations with the attorney prior to court, he convinced the attorney that he was an oil man, and you know, and and that was how he had gotten the money for his boat and all the nice things that were in it. Carl's bail was set for $5,000. He convinced his attorney that he didn't have access to his holdings in California and that the only thing that he had with him was his yacht and the things that were in it. And as fate would have it, Carl's attorney was in the market for a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ain't that a coinky dink? Um, He would... He would give this fully outfitted yacht to the to the attorney worth over ten thousand dollars in in money back back at that time, if the attorney paid his bail. So they they shook on the deal. Carl signed the paperwork, and um and then the attorney headed out to his new yacht. Now it should be noted that the attorney's last name was Kashin, spelled C A S H I N. Cash in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
<laughs> Are you sure this isn't made up, dude? Yes, I, I, this is another one that I look just like um. Because auto I mean, like, hooker. dude, like, seriously, auto hooker, cashin, mento. It's cashin. No, it's cashin. That's how it's spelled. That's how I'm saying it. It's cashin. I know, but cashin meant. I mean, I know mento was spelled different, but cashin, mento, and auto hooker, <laughs> and libido bay. And you're telling me these? This isn't a made up story. This sounds it's exactly not. like a made up story. <laughs> I know it's not. I know it's not. <laughs> but look at it from my point of view. It sure does sound like one with these names. <laughs> so Kashin went to Nyak to get his new yacht. And Yak. Nyak. He he went to the Port Authority to make everything nice and legal, but when they inspected the boat, they realized it wasn't the same boat listed on the paperwork. <laughs> of course not. They did some research and they realized that this boat had been stolen. So the, the police came and they were all laughing at Kashin because his own client had scammed him. Brilliant. <laughs> and as Cash and as Kashin left the port authority, he yelled, Farfig New Gang. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. <laughs> like I said, you ain't gonna see it coming. <laughs> it's all right. But in, in June of 1923, Carl stole another boat in Connecticut. It belonged to a doctor who actually looked at this theft as a blessing because the boat was a beater. <laughs> so Carl got it a short distance away, but the rudder locked and it crashed into some rocks. <laughs> How many boats has he wrecked now? Oh, he's wrecked. Uh, he's what wrecked two. two. One was yeah. taken out by a hurricane. So he's wrecked two and then had one lost. I mean, so three, so three boats three and this boats. guy, and this guy was actually a functioning pirate <laughs> at one point <laughs> or two points actually. And he's fucking wrecked three boats. How does that oh, even happen? One See, this is why it. I think that this is why I was thinking the story is made up. One, dude, I didn't write this. This I know you didn't. Oh, this isn't that episode. I, I know, but you know what I mean? Like look at it from my point of view. I mean, all these crazy names. You got a guy who's stealing from yachts that can't fucking sail a boat because he's crashed fucking now. three of them. He can now. He just said, but the thing is, is all of the damage to to this boat was under the water level. It's not like he could just dive in and inspect the boat that he was trying to steal. All right. I mean, he can, so, but yeah. So, so Carl. Carl went back to the same marina again to try to you know to try again. <laughs> he went back but, to the same place. <laughs> but it was evening when he when he got back and all the yachts were out on the water with their rich owners partying in them. Yeah. So, so he went to the train station and um this was a this this was a high class passenger train. And he found a room with all the luggage you know, with luggage racks with lots of suitcases in there. Mm-hmm. He found a fire axe. He opened the door with said fire axe and score. He is Johnny. He found all sorts of loot. And so he was, he was set for a while. He, so he would sell the score and buy another boat legitimately. Well, <laughs> with stolen money and, um, and then sail to South America and start over. He was getting his things together, and then he heard the cock of a pistol behind him. 
Um, he turned around to see a police officer pointing a, a gun at, at him. And Carl grabbed the, the axe and attacked the cop. But the cop was in great shape. He had his adrenaline pumping because he was fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. Carl was, was tired from that shipwreck, and he hadn't slept in 48 hours. All right. So he was arrested again, and he was locked in a jail cell, and there he yelled, Forfeit Nugan! <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. <laughs> Joseph Paul Franklin episode, people. <laughs> oh, they know. <laughs> and several other episodes after that. Every episode after that. <laughs> Not everyone. Yeah, I I hadn't broken out the perfect new gun in a while. I didn't mind. <laughs> so John, I was happy that it wasn't happening. <laughs> so John Delirio was once locked behind bars. He was grilled repeatedly, and he confessed to being an escaped prisoner from Oregon, and that he had been in prison for killing a cop. There's a half-truth there. Yeah, there is. The, um, Mento, I mean... It, he turned the guy that killed Mento loose. You know, he busted him out of prison. Mm-hmm. So the, but the cops didn't believe him. But then one of the craziest things happened. The cop who Carl had attacked with the axe actually came to his defense. Say what? Not setting you up. Um, he said that Carl could have killed him in an instant, but he didn't. So the the police contacted Oregon about John O'Leary and they gave a description a, dis- uh, a description <laughs> a description perfect Dugan. <laughs> Carl looked much different now than he had before and he'd been using a different um alias when he was in Oregon but they still put it together Jeff Baldwin was the alias that he was using in Oregon and there was a $500 reward on him, which Carl tried to claim. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, my. He just doesn't give a shit. No, obviously not. <laughs> I'm Carl. I'm here to claim the reward on Carl. That's my other I- brother, Carl. Okay, say that again because you kind of broke up. Oh, I just, you said he went, you know, that's just how he was because he went to claim the reward on himself, basically. And I just went in there. I just said, hey, I'm Carl. I'm here to collect the bounty on Carl. Yeah. He's my brother. I'm the other brother, Carl. I'm Jeff. I'm collecting the money on Carl. Or I'm Carl. I'm collecting the money on Jeff. And by the way, I'm also Jeff. Yeah. That's that's more like it. Hi, I'm Carl. I'm the other brother, Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to collect a bounty on him. Yeah. I mean me. I mean him. Yeah. Damn, it is pouring. Holy crap. Um, but Carl went to court, and, and plans were made to extradite him back to Oregon, in New York he was looking at a five-year sentence for burglary and he took a plea deal and pled guilty. Um, and then after he had pled guilty to that, then the, the DA then 
began filing like assault charges on him. Okay. He said that Carl was too violent to be back on the street and pushed for five more years. The the the, D, the DA had set him up. Yeah. And, and Carl went ballistic in court, threatening to kill every single one of them, which doesn't really lend credence to him not being violent. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're not so, helping your case here, boy. No. So he was shipped to Sing Sing Prison as John O'Leary. But he wouldn't be there long, and he quickly became a power man, as Pee Wee Gaskins would put it. <laughs> One time he was raping an inmate, and a guard tried to stop him. He then tried to rape the guard, and it took four other guards to drag him off. Well, damn. <laughs> so, Carl was finally moved to New York's toughest prison, the Clinton prison. And it's also known as Danamora. And I actually Danamora. looked that up. This prison is still operate operating because I was curious because it was described as like having the structure, you know, like looking like a medieval castle and stuff like that. It's still mm. there. I don't know. So it was 10 miles from the Canadian border. And when Carl got there, he was stripped naked, washed down with salt, and the, the, the guards took all of his stuff and they kept it. And then they beat him relent, relentlessly, which, of course, didn't phase Carl one bit. Mm. And this, my notes keep popping back up. I hate that when that happens. <laughs> um, okay. They, they beat him relentlessly, which, of course, didn't phase Carl. But when he was processed there, he gave his real name of Carl Panzram instead of an alias. Now put a knife in that. Oh, shit. Hold on. Where'd my knife go? There it is. All the prisoners there were tortured, whether they did something wrong or not. It was run by pure sadists, and Carl would fit in very nicely. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, a weekend, he tried to burn the place down with a makeshift bomb that he had made in the workshop. But the guards found it before it went off, and Carl was severely punished. But okay. not very, not very severely compared to Carl's experience, though. <laughs> yeah, not not severely enough for him. <laughs> yeah, two weeks in, a guard was sleeping at his desk, and Carl snuck up behind him and clubbed him in the head with a piece of wood. Okay. The the man survived, but he had a major concussion, and he had slurred speech afterwards and was never the same. Yep. Carl thought that he had killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, week three, he and this this is, like I said, two weeks in. Week three, he formed an escape plan. Um, he made a makeshift ladder 30 feet high, but the, the ladder broke under Carl's weight, and he fell, breaking both of his ankles for the second time in his life. <laughs> But on top of that, let's see, getting older sucks, as Carl is finding out. Yes. Um, yes it does. He also ruptured his <laughs> groin. Oh. Yeah, so there, there's there's going to be no more raping for Carl for a while. No, no more rapling. <laughs> his rapling days are... Put on hold. Yeah, put on hold. We'll say put on hold. 
this pain did break him. There you were think? there there were things that were supposed to be inside of him that were outside of him. Oh, I can't. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, me either. Uh, I mean, no, he was, no, I don't. No, stop. So anyway. he's, he's screaming in agony, and everybody, you know, all the guards, they knew he was out there, but they just left him there. He ain't going nowhere. They just left him there overnight. Yeah, well, you know. His guts hanging out of his body, I'm presuming from his asshole. Um, but anything's uh, possible. Yeah. Well, it's the only place it could have come out. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. But um, the next morning, several guards came by, and Carl begged for help. And I'd be just kill me, just kill me right now, <laughs> kill me. But um. Carl was begging, you know, they, they carried him in and Carl was begging for a doctor the entire time and the guards just threw him in solitary and left him there. Good for them. So he was in solitary for 14 months and he, and, you know, so obviously his feet healed on their own as best they could. I mean, they put, didn't put him in shackles this time to help it. Yeah. But, um, but so he would walk bow-legged for the rest of his life. Yeah, and around that time, people from Salem, Oregon, had come to collect Carl. But but remember, there was no record of John O'Leary or Jeff Baldwin at the Clinton prison. Mm -hmm. Remember, in processing, he had given his real name. Yes. I don't think that was an accident. Yeah. I think that was done on purpose because he knew that the people in Salem would be coming for him. Yeah. Could, um, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. So Carl was finally given medical treatment and his groin was repaired, but there was nothing they could do about his legs. And he, like I said, they'd be bow-legged for the rest of his life. And one, and the guards insisted that one of his testicles be removed in, in addition to the repair surgery, thinking that it might reduce his... It might calm him down a little bit. Yeah. No, I'll just make it matter because everybody will call him one nut. <laughs> but Carl's aggression wasn't from testosterone. It was from his damaged brain. Yeah, or a combination thereof, but yeah. Yeah, it did not. No, I mean, to... no, it's it's not just that. I mean, yes, this, this when he was a child, he suffered horribly. Yeah, and brain damage at the hands of his father. Accidental, but still. Yeah, with the, with the ice pick ear surgery or whatever it was. Yeah, butter knife. Butter knife. Oh, even kitchen, better. Ki- kitchen knife. Kitchen knife is what it was. So, could be a steak knife. Could be a paring knife. Whatever. <laughs> I stuck a knife in it. <laughs> so, um, once he recovered from the surgery, he wondered if he had actually lost some of his manhood, and he, and but he was still in the infirmary. And there was a sleeping prisoner there in the infirmary, and um, Carl tested out his equipment on the guy. Oh, boy. Everything still worked. Lucky him. But the the Carl... uh, The Carl. The Carl. (laughs) The the doctor came in and tried to stop Carl, but he couldn't. And, you know, the 
bunch of guards came in and he was tossed back into solitary where he finished his, the remainder of his sentence. In 1928, he was re- released and the Panzram World Vengeance Tour could continue. <laughs> does anybody, does a band have that name, Panzram? Because that sounds like a death metal band name. It does. It really does. Name um, name? Panzram. Panzram. Oh, Panzram. I like that. What, what, what's it about? We're named killer. after a serial killer. We're named after a serial killer. One of the worst. We all we're all called Carl. <laughs> so he finally decided that he'd had enough of New York, so he went to Philadelphia. Well, because that's better. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that far from New York City. About an not hour, really, hour no. and a half. Something yeah. like that. Two hours tops with traffic. <laughs> but Well back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nowadays. Well, once you get out and once you get beyond New York City, then you know it's, it's oh, I know. pretty deep in my experience. But yeah, he 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 had thought about doing terrorist acts before, and he decided it was finally time to do some. <laughs> he wanted to collapse a tunnel where rich people walk to their jobs underneath the street, and he wanted to fill it with poison gas. <laughs> no, also, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yeah, he also wanted to start a once again start a war with England. This time by attacking American ships in the Panama Canal. Okay, and there was strife going on down there at that point. But um, only problem was that he needed money, so he went to Kim Jong Il in North Korea, and Il helped him. He said, "Take your weapons of mass destruction and get the fuck out of here." <sighs> no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, wrong story. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's a little. That's a little early for Kim Jong Il. A little early for Kim Jong Il. I couldn't resist though. Oh, I know it was perfect. But before, but before starting World War II early, he wanted to have some fun. Um, <laughs> as you do, he, as you're planning a war. Yeah, <laughs> he found a paper boy named Alexander who was the son of immigrants and. It, and he didn't speak English very well. So Carl was able to lure him to a secluded spot. Alexander only knew a few words that Carl said to him, like earn and cash. Cash that's in. Just, that's just... <laughs> but Anyway. That, but that's just my guess. Money. Yeah. You know. But um, Carl began stripping Two him and Alexander... <laughs> Alexander started to scream. Carl choked him. You know, all through the rape, keeping quiet, and Alexander was dead when Carl was finished, and he just left him there. But Carl didn't stick around. He continued to Baltimore and wanted to kick off his first terrorist attack, but he needed supplies. So, yeah, it, he robbed and raped a man, and this, this guy put up a fight, but at the, at the end, the man, which turned out to be a teenager, was dead, but Carl had gotten his money clipped. His money clip. <laughs> Got his money clipped. <laughs> yeah. Is that what the kids are calling it these he, days? He now has his financing for his dastardly plan. Right. <laughs> oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> nope, it's not that one. Never mind. All right. So you hopped the train into Washington, D.C. Okay. There in Washington, D.C., he, he got the tools for his evil master plan. But he couldn't help himself, and he started mobberies. <laughs> Mobberies. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw that in there just for you. Thank you. 
That was robberies. <laughs> Multiple robberies. Yes, robberies. And, and, and Bill speak. <laughs> I'm writing a book about. Uh, it'll be a, a Bill speak dictionary, so you so y'all can um, keep up. I'm serious. You ought to do that. That that'd be a good merchandise item. Item. Autumn. Yes, would. Autumn. 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 Yeah, an autumn. Yeah. <laughs> There's the evil laugh. <laughs> I knew I had it. So he was arrested because um, he got caught robbing a dentist's house. On the way in or the way out? On the way in. Okay. Or it might might have been on the way out. It didn't say. I just pictured him like breaking. You know, it's like doing like trying to break in. Yeah, like a flying chicken wing and into the into the window. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, okay. <laughs> so he tried to fight the officers, but a few blows to his legs with the billy clubs ended that. He was put into jail to await trial, and he was no longer a power man. Pee Wee Gaskins did not approve. <laughs> Pee Wee Gaskins did not approve. Perfect. But because of the billy clubs, he couldn't even walk without holding holding on to something. And this time, the guards cuffed into a pipe and made it so he was standing on his toes. And that broke him because, you know, he was screaming constantly. He started cursing the guards, the president, so everyone, president. even his own parents for birthing him. Wow. He He tried to tell the guards how he would escape and rape and murder their wives and children. Yeah, the guards just laughed at it at first, but the con- the con- the continuous threats and everything that spooked him. That's that spooked the guards. It's just like, all right, this guy won't shut up. What if he <laughs> is actually capable of doing this? Yeah, right. So they beat him unconscious. Yeah, as you do when somebody yeah. threatens your family. <laughs> yeah, you but this beat him this whole. This whole thing, and it probably happened. It probably has something to do with because of the fact that he was in Washington D.C. Well, but uh, this sparked a major investigation into Carl. I mean, they did their fucking due diligence and everything. They, yeah, they, 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 they tracked down other aliases that and were tracing them to him and everything. Salem detectives came down and they identified that this was in fact their escape prisoner. Wow. All right. Um, Carl, you know, he had a cellmate, and he 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 looked at the cellmate and he says, "The jig is up. The news is out. They finally <laughs> found me. The renegade who had it made retreat for a bounty. Never more to go astray. This will be the end today of the wanted men." Oh, uh, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> oh, come on! That was funny. No, it was good. <laughs> you didn't laugh. Well, you, you, you've done shit so much, it's kind of hard to laugh at stuff now. And I'm tired. George McMahon's aunt even came and identified um, Carl as the man that, that had been seen with George when he disappeared. Another witness identified him as being seen with Alexander in Philly, but looking into Carl's eyes, he decided against testifying. <laughs> right. Wouldn't you? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, dude, what if he gets out? I'm dead. Yep. He's already escaped from a whole bunch of fucking prisons. I, bet, I ain't saying shit. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure the media is involved at this point. Like, look yeah, at this monster that we've gotten. You know, because 
Yeah, you know that they wanted to the information out there in case somebody else had more information on this freaking serial killer. Oh yeah, that's, that's not what they called him back then, obviously. But still, I mean, it's just so many more convictions would be coming though. So Carl was fucking done at this point. So after much debate, it was decided that he would serve the you know his his sentence whatever the sentence may be, be it life or death, back at his own stomping grounds in Leavenworth, in Plano, Kansas. In Plano, Kansas. Right on. Yeah. It was no longer the brutal place that it was um, when Carl was there. And it, it wasn't, it, it, and it wasn't like Carl was any shape to cause problems other than screaming at people. But, but this was just for convenience. Smack dab in the center of country, in the country in plain old Kansas to make it easier for anybody who wanted to prose- prosecute him to get, to be able to get to him centrally located location, location, location. Exactly. You but, get a call Panzeram. You get a you call get Panzeram. Call Panzeram. And you Every- get a call. Everybody gets a call Panzeram. <laughs> Carl did try to be a power man at Leavenworth, but that was quickly squashed. I would imagine. He no longer had the energy to be the aggressor, but he could still defend himself if need be. So he stood up on a table in the mess hall and announced to everyone, you all know who I am and what I've done. I will kill the first man who bothers me. (laughs) Nobody bothered him. I would imagine not. But Carl, work ethic still intact, he wanted to do work. So the warden gave him a job in the laundry room where he would fold laundry day in and day out. The laundry foreman, Robert Warnke, Warnke, W-A-R-N-K-E, Warnke, uh, he was the only person who Carl talked to at all. He had it in for Carl, and he had him busted down to, like, third-tier inmate and everything just because he, you know, just had it in for Carl. And Carl didn't appreciate that. But, and Carl decided that he just didn't want to live anymore. Yeah, you know, he he did laundry for a year, day in and day out. And one day, Carl or one day Warnke visited Carl's room uh, that that he had in there. It it wasn't his like cell or anything, but it was kind of like a like a safe place for him or whatever, just a place where he could go. But Carl didn't want company in his private space, and Warnke was intruding. <clears throat> One last breath of rage and adrenaline flowed through Carl and he tore a copper pipe from the wall and he beat Warnke over the head with it and kept beating him until he was dead. And he dropped the, the bar and he slumped down and he was laughing maniacally. Like, oh, 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 oh. like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> Drop that about. <laughs> you know what? It fits. I mean, I know that's not how he, but but at this point, he's a he's a shell of the man that he used to be. Yeah. So yeah, perfect. That is yeah. fucking perfect. Bravo, Todd. That was great. Yeah, well, you know. Anyway, so, so Carl was immediately taken to death row. I mean, he hadn't been tried yet, but they they just put him there. It's just like, yeah, might as well get comfortable because this is where you're going. Yep. <laughs> While in death row, awaiting a trial and execution. A guard named Henry Lesser befriended Carl. He bought him cigarettes. 
and he kept saying that he had reformed men like Carl, and he recognized Carl's intelligence. He kept at Carl trying to get him to write his memoirs, and he brought him papers and pens. Finally, Carl agreed, and he wrote a 20,000-word confession to everything that included his life story. And that's where most of the information in the book that I use comes from. From, from, you know, what the confession that later became Carl's autobiography. Okay. Uh, You know, many historians have tried to debunk the claims that Carl made only to like, after like deep dive, you know, like deep research and everything realize that they were true. Right. <laughs> um, in April of 1929, the Warnke trial began and Carl pled not guilty, demanding that they had to prove they killed Warnke if they wanted him to hang. Okay. Yeah. But there, there were plenty of witnesses. People saw him do it. Oh yeah. But I mean, did he know that? Probably. He was just trying to be a pan in the ass. Oh, okay. So he was he was found guilty. He wrote a, le- a letter to President Herbert Hoover demanding that there be no delay in his execution. He wanted to die sooner rather than later. Yep. Do it right away. Don't make yeah. me wait. Don't make me wait. I want it all and I want it now. <laughs> um, lots of lots of people wrote Carl on death row. Okay, so people talk about how uh, the people's obsession with true crime nowadays. Now it's been going on since day fucking one. Yeah, yeah. Prison yeah. tender's been around a long time. It just changed kind of <laughs> <ages> form. <laughs> yeah, this no, but this this was just people, you know, pen pals and stuff like that. And Carl ignored most of the letters that he got, but. Civil rights activists, today's social justice warriors, were writing him saying that they're going to try and get his death sentence overturned. He would reply back to them saying um, that if you get my death sentence overturned and I'm released, I would hunt every single one of you down and torture you to death slowly. (laughs) (laughs) That should have been the quote at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Yeah. Well, Sorry, no, I, no, no, it, no, it, it, the, the one that I use fits because it's yeah. just like, no, it does. He, he's talking about regrets, even though there's only two of them. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, his memoirs, be, his memoirs began tr- being transcribed into an autograph, uh, uh, an agrobiology. Yeah. An agrobiology. <laughs> <laughs> An autobiography, and Henry Lesser was collaborating with the proofreaders, and the scientists began trying to get Carl spared so they could study him. They wanted they wanted him alive so they could study him. It's no good to be dead. (laughs) That's just like I don't care what you did. You don't you don't get the right to be alive. You don't. Yeah, you don't get to make that choice. No, I mean it. Just yeah, I I don't I don't care. I mean. The only person that I would say that that would be appropriate for would be Adolf Hitler. Yeah. They study, they study him while he's alive, and hopefully they wouldn't use anesthetic. I hope not. But 
but still, it's like no, you're not gonna you're you're not gonna sit there and cut into this man's brain and everything while he's still alive. This isn't a freaking this is this isn't a freaking you know this isn't human centipede or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, there's no Nazis yet. <laughs> we can't do that. Yeah. Anyway, but, I mean, uh, I've never seen any of those movies. I I I, I have no desire to see nope, those. Me neither. Well, I, I like horror movies, but I don't like that one. That one just seems stupid. What the hell was that? What? I just heard like something came through my headphones. It wasn't either. It wasn't me or you. Anyway, moving on. I just flicked a. I just flicked a bottle cap into my bucket. No, it was a voice. Did it sound like this? No, it didn't. Oh. Anyway, okay, moving on. So, so it wasn't Panzerem's ghost. Unless his voice changed a lot in death. Well, it did with the clippage you just played. <laughs> Oh, maybe it was then. <laughs> Did it anyway. Say, what are you doing? Will you hurry it up? Better <laughs> yeah, night than that. Oh, God. Yeah, will you hurry it up, please? <laughs> so, um... Todd's still getting sleepy. But at this point, you know, because, because Carl... Because Lesser was the one that was, um... That was, like, kind of you know, just basically getting the story out there and all that stuff. And Carl turned on lesser promising them that he would end him as well. If, if his death sentence was overturned. So lesser just like, all right, I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll wait. Because look at it. I mean, he had the full confession. He heard about the crazy prison breaks that Carl had done. So, right. like, of course, he's going to be like, mm, he's on death row. He's pretty much locked up. But, I mean, he, even at his limited capacity now, it would not surprise me if he was able to bust out of here somehow. <laughs> yeah. He had his own little tunnel. Yeah. He just come and go as he please. September 5th of 1930, the day arrived. Carl was taken to the gallows in Leavenworth, and Carl stood tall as as tall as he physically could. And the the noose was placed around his neck, and there was a moment of silence. And Carl broke up by saying, "Hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard! I could have hung ten men in the took it in the time that it took you to tie that knot." <laughs> right on. He then spit in the executioner's face. His his last words were a rant of curses and threats toward every living person on earth. And he wasn't going to stop, so he just pulled the lever, and Carl dropped, like, in the middle of a sentence. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) When the neck is broken, there's a sharp, quick pain, and then the spirit horse comes and takes you... But uh, uh, anyway, um, attempts were made to contact Carl's family, but they wanted nothing to do with him. Um, Lesser Lesser tried to get the book published, but nobody would touch it. And years later, it was finally released, although it's out of print now. Um, Carl was literally a man who didn't give a shit about anybody or anything. He was a pure case of nurture, and he was somebody who would make today's movie monsters and slasher killers probably and probably even some modern serial killers flinch oh yeah 
he he was a force to be reckoned with until literally the last microsecond of his life. Yeah, no shit. So that's it. We're over. This one wasn't as long as I thought that it would be. I mean, after edits, it'll be about the same, probably about the same length as part. Yeah, now. yeah, all right, yeah. I mean, no, it was, no, it was good. It, was, it didn't feel like it was as long as. It, I mean, it didn't even feel like it was this long, even though I'm yeah. getting tired. But yeah, no, it was, yeah. So we're we're still gonna have over five hours of content on Panzram, <laughs> even though you know close to six hours, but not quite. Yeah, but still, longest episode we've done so far. Indeed. So, the uh, longest okay. episode in our first three-parter. Yeah, well, it's a three-parter, so of course it better be our our longest episode. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. This yeah. one is the longest episode of a our first, you know, the longest episode of our first three-part story that we've ever done. Well, to. I don't know records with this one. After edits, yeah, we took we took some breaks. Yeah, we did. Anyway, so it, it'll probably be about the same as part two, but um, but so. Tell me, you know, thoughts now, now that the story's over and everything. Thoughts about this guy? Because it, it's like I wanted to, like, Pan's Ram is one of those to, to where it's just there's so much to unpack. And, you know, he's been on my list since day one, but right. I wanted to wait until we knew what the fuck we were doing <laughs> yeah. before I covered him. That, that was a good idea. <laughs> I should have done the same with Pee Wee Gaskins. Uh... Yeah. Our Pee Wee Gaskins episode is still, it's still pretty good, but yeah. it's, it's nothing compared to what we, you, you, what we've been through, and you listeners have been through the past three weeks. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. we did, if we did this close to the beginning, I'm, it would have broken me much, much earlier than. <laughs> oh, it didn't even break you at all on this one. I'm just talking. I know, about, but it would have. <laughs> I'm just talking about the fact that you know, just like with the 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 deep dive. And all that stuff. Oh yeah, you know. No, so. no. I, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's it was how he was raised that made him what he was. Then nothing else. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, except for maybe the uh, amateur emergency ear surgery by his his uh, sperm donor. I guess we can't even call it. I mean, anybody that does that is not a father. I'm sorry. Right. I know. That's fucking crazy. <clears throat> but anyway. You know, and some people just get dealt a bad hand, and you know, I mean, I mean, like I said, you know, you, and you said it a bunch. Like we we were feeling sorry for him in the first couple episodes. I mean, I even said it. I'm I'm Team Carl. Go hashtag Carl. Yeah, but but it still I mean, doesn't. You, that doesn't change the fact that I mean, yes, this kid as a child he was horrifically abused, and I even mean, as a young adult. Even yeah. as a young adult, I mean, he 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 was still fucking up and you know committing crimes and everything, but it didn't really get serious until, you know, like at the end of part two of this. Yeah. No, I know, know, but yeah, when he really just, started turning, yeah. you know, it's like a lot. Uh, hell, one time he he was, you know, in in part two with the the freaking um, the snorting pole and everything. <laughs> the snorting pole. He had been released, but they kept him there just because he was a brute. Yeah. And he had a great work ethic. And they let him break back in. <laughs> or no, no, that was another prison. Whatever. <laughs> that was part but, one. But anyway. 
but, you know, but, but I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that shit affected him and made him into the monster that he was. For, definitely. It had nothing to do with, he wasn't born with, you know, with bad wiring in his brain, dude. He, he was, he probably would have been a normal, brilliant person that could have done a lot of good. Yeah, if, if he had had a good childhood, a good yeah. upbringing. Yeah, absolutely. But, but because he was so smart and the upbringing that he suffered, and I'm going to say suffered. Because, yeah, because it was. It was, it yeah. was hell. Isn't that, I it, mean, that, it tur- turned him into one of the scariest people I have ever heard of in my life. Yeah. Because, A, he was very intelligent, and he was just hell-bent on taking it out on everyone, and he didn't care. Like you said, he didn't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just like, yeah, I mean, he. Yeah. What, yeah whatever, he, whatever conscience he had was beaten out of him a long time ago mm-hmm. and but still, uh, i mean and, but, yeah. but, still, but i mean it's, it doesn't justify what he did but no not you at know, all. i mean it happens and you know like a lot all these stories like you feel sorry for them when you hear about their childhood but once they grow up you know they could have made i mean i i don't know i'm not trying to be a psychologist i'm not trying to pretend how anybody thinks or what they go through Right, but lots of people have lots of people have shitty childhoods and grow up to be. I mean, no, granted, yeah. I, not very many people have had as, as shitty of a childhood as Panzerim did. That's true. But, but like I said, he had no chance. No, never did. I mean, there was only one outcome for him, and that was it. And as far as um, as far as far as exits are concerned for these for these cases that we've covered that was the best one yet i don't know boone helm he jumped okay, it's, off it's, the, t- it's top three he, he jumped boone helm jumped off of the um jumped off of the gallows and on the snap back you know came back and hit the guy that was next to him and took him out he was dead and took somebody out that that's yeah. gotta be that's gotta be number one that's number one but <laughs> carl Panzram is number two yeah, he he's top three for sure. You know, I think he's top two because I don't think we've covered any other freaking, you know. Well, there there's there, there still could be one engine. coming. There still could be one coming. So well, he's sure top. There will he, be. I mean, he is number two, but he could be replaced at number two. He could. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I don't doubt it. Any. I doubt it. I don't know. It any. could happen. But there's no topping what Boonhelm did. That's true. I forgot. I forgot that he did that. He he was dead. And he still took somebody out. Yeah, he, he was dead, and he still killed somebody. And yeah, yeah you're right. Boonhelm is number one. I forgot all about that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um, yeah. Thanks a hell of a lot for listening and you know sticking with us. I mean, we're probably going to be going more toward this format moving forward with the longer, yeah, the longer episodes and everything. And um. Yeah, it's just it's more. What do you think, Todd? Is it more interesting this way? Here, like hearing everything rather than just a. Yeah, I mean, we still did deep dives on our like one, our long one part episodes, but they yeah. Weren't I mean, no, to if, this. yeah, I mean, if if there's enough material, yeah, I have no problem doing yeah. two parters. But whatever, I mean, but... well, like, well, well, like, um, Slave Master. That was that episode was over two hours long, and I think we I think we covered the pretty much the gist of everything in that one. You know, I mean, I've listened to podcast episodes about Slave Master, like from other podcasts and everything, where they did like, um, like a hour long episode or something like that. And they don't cover half the shit that we did. Right. So, um, no, but, I'm, I'm you know, it. just 
Yeah. So it's just like that. That's 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 where we're we're going to be moving forward too. So you're going to see a lot more two part episodes from us, and there'll be threes and maybe a four. I don't want to do five. Sorry. Sorry. Let's try to keep it. If we're going to go that far, one story a month. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mark from Illinois Theater. We're not doing a five or a six part unless it's Jonestown. Yeah, that one could probably be. Dude, you could probably get two months out of Jonestown. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to. Yeah, but what our, Jonestown will probably be our a four a four part episode, definitely. But I don't. But anyway. anyway, um, you know, like I said, thanks a hell of a lot for listening. We, you know, let us know what you thought about about this series. Seriously, uh, we. Yeah, it's just like th- this is this is kind of where we wanted to go. I didn't really feel like I was equipped for it early on to to do it this way. I sure as hell wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're there now, and I th- yes. I, I like this series. I think it, I think it was good, and um, I th- I think we did it at the appropriate time. And um, yeah, yeah, we're we're growing as a podcast, and. Yeah, you know, we're happy to have you guys along with us. Absolutely. We're still infants with attitudes, though. No, we're toddlers with attitudes. No. We've leveled okay. up. All right. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 in my brain, I'm still an infant with attitude. But infants with attitudes sounds better rolling off does. of the <laughs> but, And What was but, the other thing? What was the other thing you had? We're um, gritty and obnoxious. Gritty and obnoxious, yes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, we're gritty and obnoxious infants with attitudes. <laughs> yeah. So I love it. <laughs> so um but seriously, thank thank you for thank you for listening. We appreciate the hell out of it. Um you know, hook us up, you know, five star ratings, go on Apple, leave us a you know, leave us a five star rating and a and a five star review there. We appreciate it. I mean Somebody please sign up for our damn Patreon. Jesus. Yeah. First, first person to sign up for Patreon gets a, gets a t-shirt free. Our Patreon is lonely. Yeah. And we're not going to start making ep- new episodes. For, we have, I think, 12 episodes for Patreon yeah. now. And we thought it was going to be not, bigger than it is. Yeah. We're not going to make any more until we start getting subscribers. Yes. <laughs> So click like um, and subscribe and all that shit, whatever, whatever you're on, whatever you're, wherever you're seeing this, like it, subscribe, yeah. do whatever. And yeah, our, all our links to our socials and everything. We even have a discord page, which nobody's bothered to join either. So, <laughs> but we're never, I'm never on it. <laughs> well, get on it. No, dude. Discord pisses me off. <laughs> because that's what it is, dude. It's fucking Discord that fucking makes our mics not fucking connect to a wave. Well, then get on Discord on your phone and interact there. Dude, I'm not fucking up my phone with Discord. Are you fucking crazy? It doesn't fuck my phone up. Says the guy whose phone didn't charge today. <laughs> until, way at, until way at the end of the day. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, seriously, we appreciate it. And hook us up. Hook us up. We, you know, we're we're gonna keep doing this. I don't know who's next. I don't know who's next. So yeah, you can't stop us now. Gotta, I gotta get on it, and um, you know, figure out who we're gonna cover next. But um, anyway, until next week. Later. Cheers, everybody.